You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Ah, wait, was this me? No, it was this. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I messed up my scientific experiment. I had both things operating at the same time. Hey, good morning, friends. I'm Brenna Rubio. I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we try our best to be a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And it is really good just that we get to be here together in this space. Also, we have friends joining us on Zoom, and we even have a friend or two out on our patio. Uh, So we just, we love this opportunity to get together and be together. And even in a sort of weird kind of way, have some conversation together, right? The conversation that we have within our own hearts, the conversations that we have with God, and the conversations that hopefully this sparks with each other before and after the service and as we go throughout our weeks. So it is just so good to be here together for all of that. One of the things that we love doing uh, whenever we gather is that we like to pray over our kiddos because we think they are pretty awesome. Uh, And so our friend Jason Sexton, um, who is, we think, maybe qualified enough to, to pray for the kids. Um, he does maybe, he's like a professor of theology or something fancy for his day job. Um, but kids, man, kids are a whole other thing. So Jason, do you think you're ready? You think you could pray? Okay. You think I can? Sure. So Lord, we're grateful for, um, grateful to be here this morning, grateful to be uh, grateful for the church. We're grateful for this strange um, creation of yours. Um, of grace, where we acknowledge, of course, this election and the sort of the structures that we live in, um, but the church as this wondrous uh, community that's uh, diverse and multi-generational, multi-ethnic. We acknowledge that this is a place where we can come to learn um, from you, learn from your word and from the leaders here, so thank you for them. And we pray especially for our kids that, that this um, sort of transformative learning that's happening here so that we can be uh, on mission in the world, so that we can be your people, salt and light. Um, it happens at all levels. And so we, we pray especially that you bless our kids, um, that they would learn, that they would uh, feel loved uh, and uh, empowered to, to be um, more and more in love with, with you uh, and with the Lord Jesus who you sent for us. So bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, and Jason, I just have to say, you know, I tease you, but I really do actually think it's such a beautiful picture. Thanks for just being with our kids and making bread in a bag today. Yeah. Hey, kids, you can come over here to the side and join with all of your amazing teachers because they're all pretty phenomenal. Have fun. Welcome, friends. Uh, Hello, 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 hello. I can yell if I need to, or maybe I'll just use this. Would it be better to use this? I'll yeah, use this. let's do hey, that today. Um, so I am Bill White, and I am one of the other, I am actually not just one of the other co-pastors, I am currently the, the other, other co-pastor. co-pastor. So at the moment. At the, at the moment, while, while the board still has me, which is great. Um, <laughs> and uh, we are in a, <laughs> awkward, yes, that's, yeah, I am sort of awkward. Um, So we're in a sermon series right now where we're talking about how to throw a good party. It's a neglected spiritual practice 
that Christians through the centuries have actually been very good at, mm -hmm. but many times, um, sometimes because of the purity wars and stuff like that, we've like, you know, don't, like parties are evil and stuff like that, but th there are all kinds of parties, right? Um, and uh, we, we actually asked some questions here. I really like this. How do you help people get into good conversation? We're gonna circle back around to this, but I really did like this one that uh, you hand them a cocktail. I'm glad that City Church has that view of how, uh, how to make a good party. So, um, But today we're, we're thinking about how and why and who, kind of those questions, how and why and who, these gatherings. Like, why gather? And who comes to a gathering? What's the purpose? I mean, we're, we're heading into the holidays. If I mean, let's see a show of hands and you can show, you know, a thumbs up or something on Zoom. But how many people here have already had a holiday party? Has anyone? Not yet? Okay. Oh, we've got a, just a couple. Okay. They're coming. <laughs> right? They're, they're coming. Uh, and so it's really helpful to think about why and who and how. Um, there's a, a woman that I'm a, just a big fan of. Her name is Priya Parker. I don't know if anyone knows Priya Parker, but she is the master of gathering. And uh, she's written a book called The Art of Gathering. And she was noticing this week when, uh, you know, Tesla fired 11,000 employees with an email. Um, and she was like, you know, you can really tell uh, by when people gather and when they don't gather what their values are and she said uh, you know it might be the first time in history it would have been better to have a meeting than an email <laughs> like to actually sit down and like actually talk to humans but no you just showed your values like I just fired 11,000 people with an email like what, what does that say who, who are we and what, what do our gatherings say about us our birthday parties our Thanksgiving gatherings uh, our book clubs and uh, these sorts of things are baby showers I'm not going to tease you about baby showers this week. <laughs> I was just wondering, putting it out there. She kind of threw down on me hard about baby showers last week, so I'm still recovering from that. Um, so we're just going to, we want to process that and kind of sort this through and say, okay, how do we do this well? Because it is, uh, it is actually a spiritual practice to, to gather, to celebrate, to grieve, to learn, to support, all of these, uh, and so much more. So Kristen Pang is going to read scripture for us today. If you would welcome her on down. And here at City Church, we love to stand uh, in honor of the reading God's word. Friends on Zoom, you do whatever is most comfortable for you. All right, Matthew 26, 17 to 21. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks so much, Kristen. So 
this is actually a story about a party. Despite that closing line, which starts to sound not particularly party-ish, um, one of you will betray me. Yeah, it goes kind of goes in a different direction than you completely expect there at the beginning. Um, but it was a party. Uh, and and so we're just gonna, this is what we're doing this, this couple weeks, is we're looking at some of the parties that Jesus was part of, that Jesus even threw, Jesus, ho Jesus hosted, and say, where are there some things that we might say like, yeah, like this is part of what it means to gather people well. Because remember, when we use the word party here, it could mean the traditional, you know, when you think of a party and it's just, it's laughter and fun and games, and it could be a book club, right? And it could be the small group of people that come hang out in your living room after you lost your job because they just want to be with you, right? What does it mean for us to, to gather? That's what we're talking about when we talk about parties. So here's the first thing that I notice and I guess it's just, it's, it's something I feel sort of passionate about. Um, I, I notice that while there is a lot of intentionality about this gathering, this party that Jesus is gonna throw, you know, he's like, hey, go there and do this. And the disciples are gonna need to make preparations, right? It's not just thrown together. There's, there's preparation, there's intentionality. It's not, we don't actually have a lot of details about the actual space. Right? We don't have a lot of details about the actual menu um, or how they decorated the space, right? And it could be some of my bias because I'm not very good at those things, right? Like uh, a fancy menu, um, centerpieces, those sorts of like, you know, hostess with the mostest type things, um, completely out of my skill set. And I actually, I want to make sure that I'm being completely clear. Those of you who are really good at those things, I think that's awesome. I think that's so great. And I, I very much enjoy when I get to go into the spaces. And honestly, not so much because again, I'm, I'm necessarily, because I don't necessarily even have the eye to appreciate the centerpiece, <laughs> but I have the eye to appreciate, wow, that's something that you are good at and you love and you, your welcome flowed out of how you love. You know what I mean? Like when, when you're welcome, when how you set up your space just embodies who you are. I don't actually care what the thing is. If you make the best hot dogs in the world, like, and so that's what you serve at your party, I'm just gonna think that's amazing because why wow, you make the best hot dogs in the world versus, you know, and then the other person, wow, you make the best creme brulee. Um, but anyway, sorry, I digressed a little bit. Being one of those people who is not particularly fancy myself uh, i just don't have that particular skill set i kind of love the fact that nothing about this gathering indicates that it's going to be fancy they don't actually have their own space to meet in it's not like they own a house they're all i mean jesus is an itinerant preacher right he's just traveling around he he lives on the generosity of others and it looks like that's what's happening in this case too he's they're just going to borrow some space from a friend right? Is it big? Is it small? I don't know. It seems like it had space enough for all of them, you know, 13 of them at least. Um, so, okay, it's sizable enough, but, but we just, the kinds of details that I think sometimes we get a little lost in in a party, the story doesn't talk about them at all. And that matters to me not because, again, if you're really good at that stuff, then that's not a hindrance to you throwing a party, right? That's actually something that draws you in, like, yes, I love it when I get to make, like, my husband, I love it when I get to make my guac for all the people, right? So that, man, that drives me to throw a party. But for some of us, 
if we get too caught up in that, if we think that's what a party is about, it stops us from gathering with people, right? It's actually a barrier for us. My space isn't big enough. It's not nice enough. I went over to their house and it was like really like it was decorated and stuff. So I can't have them over to my space because they'll see the pile of laundry in the corner, right? Clearly I can't have people over if I have laundry that's not done. I mean, I don't know what it is, but hey, they had a carne asada budget and I've got a tuna fish sandwiches budget. These things that we, we let be barriers to us just connecting. Um, I was thinking this morning about this time, right? I, I just graduated college and I ended up far away from all my friends for about six months, kind of off on my own. My job was very solitary at the time. And uh, as a, a strong introvert, I don't get lonely very easily, but I was lonely. I was really like, I was, I was feeling the fact that I was living in this city by myself and just kind of just not a lot of human connection very often. And so this friend who is now long distance said, Hey, there's this person who actually is kind of local to you now. Like, I'm going to, here's, here's your number. Like, why don't you just try and connect like good person? You just have fun meeting them. And so I'm this little college student or just graduated, I guess. And I, I show up at this woman's house and, you know, she's a decade or two older than me, which at the time felt like a really big difference. And, you know, small little house, a couple young kids running around and like a home demo project. I mean, it was a little crazy, right? It was just like a, a crazy space that she just welcomed me into. And then this might not sound like a big deal to you guys, but she threw a frozen cheese lasagna into the oven to help serve me dinner right that I would get to eat with them and so I grew up in a military family and we had people over you know for like the big fancy meals pretty frequently right because there were always people who were far away from family so of course we'd open up like we were having Thanksgiving dinner or Easter or whatever it is and and then you pull out all the stops right to make people feel welcome and you put your best foot forward and so what stood out to me and what <laughs> made a difference to me and has always stuck with me is that this woman did not have any time or energy to be fancy for me. There was no fanciness to be had. And she just welcomed me into her chaos anyway and fed me, you know, a frozen cheese lasagna that she'd stuck into the oven. And it was the most amazing thing that she was just welcoming me into her every day. And that's a little bit of what I see here. I mean, yes, it was actually, it was a high holy day, right? Like, I mean, this was a special moment. But what was going to make it special was not necessarily the fancy food. It was not necessarily the space they were in. It was the people and the intentionality. And so I wonder if that there's something to that for us um, to just say, what if we let people into our everyday? What if we let them see the pile of laundry in the corner? There are lonely people out there. We sometimes are lonely people. Can't let that stuff get in the way. Am I, is this gonna work? No, not, not a good day for that, okay. Um, I was actually thinking about uh, the first time I ever had tuna fish sandwiches. Is it at my house? <laughs> no, it was not at your house. No, but it could have been. He's, it could have been. It my family been. likes a good tuna fish sandwich. No, first time I was I was a sophomore in college, and my roommate and I had just driven ten hours up to school, and so we called the local pastor who had, we'd met the year before. We said, "Hey, just want to let you know we're we're in we're in town." Hint, and, hint. And he was like, 
so you need dinner? <laughs> so we literally, we went to his house for dinner that night and he sort of became a mentor for us. He started meeting with us, but literally that night we had tuna fish salad or tuna fish sandwiches and we just hung out with his, his kids. I'd never seen people parent the way that they parented. And I was invited in. I was like, this is amazing. The intentionality and the way they, it was, it was really good. The sacredness of tuna fish. Yeah. The, it doesn't get talked fish, about man. enough. Yeah. So, um, so when we, when we look at this passage, okay, so this is sort of a high holy day. It's the Passover and Jesus is gathered. In verse 18, it says this, I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples. Jesus realized like, look, I want to do this meal and I want to do it with my friends, right? In, in another passage that's describing the same scene, he uses the words, you're my friends. It's a special time and it, it's Friendsgiving, right? I mean, I had a conversation with someone this week who's like, wow, Friendsgiving is so much better than Thanksgiving. <laughs> And you since get to my, pick who's there. Since my mother's on the on the on the Zoom, I'm not going to say anything more about that. But but for some people, friendsgiving would be a great gift, right? Jesus had this sense he wanted to be with his friends. He wanted to gather. And it was super meaningful. And I hope some of you will do friendsgiving. Um if you'd like, you can come to my house on Sunday, not a week from now. Come on over. We're having like a Friendsgiving for anyone who wants. Like, if you need a place, let me know. Um, I think there's someone else. Uh, Ming is also throwing a Oh, Ming is throwing right? a Friendsgiving on Thanksgiving itself, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um, so there are a couple things going on. Um, but there's this intentionality about who you want to gather with for this time, who you're pulling in. And I, I thought about, you know, my own life. So this summer, our family gathered. Um, it had been 10 years since my dad has passed. And so earlier this year, my brothers and I, we were talking about this and we're like, we should all, we should get the whole family together. And so in August, uh, very close to when my dad passed, we all gathered together in, in Washington, DC. And it was this, it was holy ground. It, it matters who's there, right? And so we made sure all the grandkids were there and, and the sons were there, mom was there. And we did a lot of things just to connect, but the, and we had the one dinner, the big dinner, um, where we asked the question. We just asked the question, what do you celebrate most about pop? And at this gathering, we, we were together for three or four days. Um, it became holy ground. Tears were shed, memories. Oh, we laughed so hard. Oh, so hard. Um, just some of the funny things that, that dad did and right. But, but what Jesus is showing you here is like, it's okay to gather and to gather with intentionality and to think like, who, who do you want? Who do you need to be there? And, and why? We gathered to celebrate my dad, to tell some stories, 
Uh, my mom had already been diagnosed with cancer, and at that point, treatment was going pretty well, but we were just aware of the fragileness of life, and so we wanted to seize that moment. But it was really helpful to think about the why. Jesus said, you know, I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the Passover. Are there things that you want to celebrate? And who do you want to celebrate them with? Sometimes just asking the question can be really helpful. So instead of just having a birthday party, what if you said, why do I want to have a birthday party? What's the, what's the purpose? Is it to, to celebrate where I've been? Is it to help me look towards what's next? Is it to introduce some people I want to introduce to each other? Is it because I really love presents, <laughs> right? And I need to feel loved and this will... But what if you actually said, what if you spoke out loud the words of why we're going to gather? All of a sudden, it can give you real clarity about whether it's a, it's a family gathering or a friends gathering or a work gathering. Lots of opportunities here to up our game, to throw a better party. I love those questions, right? Because I think sometimes it could feel very like, well, it's just, it's a birthday party. I mean, you have birthday parties, right? right? right. Like, you just, that's what you do. Right? I mean, and yet the reality is we do bring in these like longings, right? That there are actually deeper things going on in us. And if we don't surface it, we may be surprised by how disappointed we feel when the party's over and it turns out, oh, I did have some expectations. I did have some hopes. And because I didn't surface it ahead of time, I didn't, I didn't set it up so that this could happen. And I think I wanted to say too, like as we do that, right? Like most of the time when you get into those deeper questions like you were talking about, Bill, they're, they tend to not to be things that are just selfish, right? Like surfacing our own desires often are for those deeper things like connection and joy and it benefits everybody who comes right so one of the things that i think we see in this passage uh, and where we left it and we laughed a little bit about it, right while they were eating jesus said truly i tell you one of you will betray me okay so conversational prompts are often helpful in a party <laughs> that one i mean i don't know it, it's a little bit more like throwing a bomb you know into a group right it did spark some conversation it did take that gathering from maybe the surface level to a deeper place <laughs> it reminds me though there was one gathering i went into and i'm going to leave a lot of details um non-specific but i went into this gathering it was going to be a whole big diverse group of people um, and the host had purposely put on their wall in a prominent spot um, a clock with the face of a polarizing political figure just because they wanted to get conversation going <laughs> okay this feels like a little bit one of those it, it was kind of as a bomb right it's just like a, and i don't know that all of us necessarily want to follow this model exactly you know like not tell people hey you thought you were coming to a birthday party and by the way i wanted to you know have an intervention something like that right like i mean because that is kind of what jesus is doing okay so 
we're not Jesus. This might be a good moment to remember that. Um, now, but on the other hand, let's just play it out for a second. And let's imagine that we have this story in the Bible about the Last Supper. And instead of Jesus asking this question, saying, making this statement, you know, that is going to launch this deeper conversation of self-examination and all of his friends just kind of, they're looking at each other, they're looking at Jesus, they're looking inside themselves going, is it me? Am I a betrayer? And I didn't even know it. So what if instead of that, Jesus had talked about the weather? What if instead of that, Jesus had kind of gossiped a little bit about some of the people that they'd met along the way or some of the local politicians, right? He just kind of kept it right up here. Didn't ever lead us into the, the Lord's Supper, this ritual we're going to talk about, um, because this is that's where this is going next. Jesus taking the bread and the wine and and trying to show them show his friends a deeper meaning there and said he just kind of kept it up and fluffy. I think we'd be disappointed, right? We would have the sense of like, no, Jesus, like we're here, we're with you. And, and maybe they didn't know it yet, but Jesus did. He knew he only had a little time left. He wasn't gonna stay on the surface. He was gonna go deeper. And I think there's a sense of, we wanna do that when we gather, don't we? I mean, I maybe some of it's just how I'm wired. I'm not great at small talk, right? But. If all I talk about with people is like the basics and like we never get in, and I can always, I have like the excuse, right? I'm like, excuse me, I'm going to be a nosy pastor. And you know, like, what's the meaning of your life, right? I, <laughs> I can sneak it in and go a little deeper, like pretty easily and, you know, pretend I'm just awkward because I'm a pastor. Um, but don't we feel sad? Like when my husband and I, we drive away from like any gathering, what I want to hear about is like, who did you talk to? What were the great conversations? you got into like and and not just for gossip but just because like we want to actually know did you get to celebrate with anyone did you get to grieve with anyone did you get to wonder about life with anyone that feels like the good stuff so Jesus technique is a little interesting but it was effective but, but it, it it introduces this idea of like how do you get a good conversation going right that that's at the at the center of what makes for a good gathering whether it's a family dinner or whether it's your, you know, the work birthday party for everyone who has birthdays in April, right? Um, we, we threw this out front. Uh, how do you help people get into good conversations? And uh, I'd love if you're on Zoom, feel free to, to drop something in the chat about how you help people get into good conversations. Yes. But uh, there, was a, there was a gathering yesterday in a park to celebrate that Joel Veenstra is a full professor and turned 45 and his mom came in town. Like that's a lot to celebrate right there. So, but uh, at this party, Tiger made everyone on their name tag, write down something you want others to ask you about. What a great question to put on your name tag, right? But, but that's this idea, like, let's make it practical. How do we actually enter into good conversations? Mm -hmm. Right? And, uh, you know, a bunch of other fun things here about listening and, oh, what do you want more of? And hand them a cocktail, things like this. Um, I really like the one about pointing out commonalities upon introductions. Like, that sounds to me like a, say, you're hosting a party. Like, how do you help people connect? 
like help them find things to talk about. You tell them something they have in common. Yes, I, 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 I love finding commonalities and introducing people. So there are, there are a couple of folks here today who uh, this is their very first gathering. And for those of you who've been here a while, you know I'm kind of awkward and really love new people. And so I introduced them to each other. I'm like, hey, you, you should meet this other person. He's been here like 30 minutes. You've only been here like 10 minutes. You guys probably, and then I walked away and I don't know. <laughs> I think they're still here, but I'm not going to give them my eye contact because that's even more awkward. Um, but what, what Jesus does is he particularly leverages that there are certain rituals that help you move into meaning, right? It says in verse 30 that they, they'd sung a hymn. They'd gone through this process of a, of a Jewish Seder, right? And some of you have been to a Jewish Seder, very meaningful. Um, and so there are these old rituals, and then there are also new rituals. So in, in verse 26, it says, when they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given it thanks, when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, say, take and eat, this is my body. That was the first time. That's become an old practice for us now, and we'll celebrate communion or Eucharist or whatever you call it um, here in a few minutes. It's become an old ritual, but it was a new ritual then. And there are things that you can do in your families, with your friends, uh, in your workplace, at your school, that are actually new and some are old. Um, and what if we thought about these and intentionally gathered better? I was uh, talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago who goes to City Church, and I said, oh, what are you doing? He said, oh, my, you know, it's my partner's birthday. And uh, I said, oh, great. What are you guys going to do? He's like, well, we, we have a ritual. Oh, what's your ritual? He says, well, we, we always ask three questions. What was the highlight of your last year? What was the low light of your last year? And what's your hope for the next year? Mm -hmm. You could do a lot worse than that right? I mean, what a great way to, to celebrate a birthday, coming in with that intentionality and asking that kind of question. Um, Brent, you want to tell us a little bit about your dinner time ritual that you have? Yeah, yeah I mean, we've heard it here before, but it's so helpful. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there might be some folks you haven't heard, but you know, in a lot of our gatherings, I mean, we actually do this Particular, there's a way I do it in my family, and there's a way that we do it in a lot of our city church gatherings, our staff meetings, and our board meetings. But there's this sense that um, we generally don't have trouble talking about the negative, um, like that just tends to come out like pretty easily for many of us. And and yet, sometimes for whatever reason, there's like this psychological thing where we tend to downplay the positive in our lives sometimes. So not because we want to, you know, kind of lean into like a toxic positivity. But because we do want to make sure we call out the positive and we remember the positive and we we celebrate together um we have some rituals around celebration so in our staff meetings and board meetings that's one of our just kind of ritual opening questions is what are we celebrating today right and and it's we we know we're going to do a lot of like talking and problem solving together the negative stuff's going to come out right but let's make sure we start by like celebrating there's good stuff too and you know it and, and make sure that we we spend a little time on that uh, in the family it looks like toasting 
and so I got this idea from someone and it, it really was one of those that, you know, sometimes you try things and it completely flops and then you just gotta go like, okay, that might've worked for someone else, but it's not for my family. Um, this one was just like instant, which is that every night we decide and we kind of rotate who's gonna be the Toastmaster who starts us off by saying cheers to, and then they share something good about their day. Um, and, you know, and then we all get to ask them a few questions about what that thing was. And sometimes it's, you know, like what they had for lunch. And sometimes it's something really nice a friend said to them or, you know, like a test score or, you know, whatever it is. It's also an opportunity. We might celebrate somebody else at the table because we saw something awesome that they did. Um, and, you know, one of the funny things that I found is that I sort of redo the question. Uh, when I go in for my bedtime routine with the younger two, because I, I ask them to tell me something happy from their day so that we can thank God for it. Um, and they almost always tell me cheers to, like to that question, like, you know what I mean? It's like, they, it all melts together that all of it is like that gratitude saying like, yeah, we know this is one of the ways that we glimpse God at work in our lives, you know, whether we say it explicitly at the dinner table or not. Um, yeah, and so what, what if we did that more often? What if we actually decided we're going to be intentional in our gatherings? Like Jesus knew the why. He knew why he was showing up. He knew what he wanted. We're going to gather. We're going to celebrate the Passover. And he knew who he wanted to do it with. He wanted to do it with his friends, right? He chose not to do it with his family. He chose to do it with his friends. And then he, he drops the bomb of a question. He gets some things started, right? He leans into some rituals like toasting, like bedtime rituals, right? Thanksgiving rituals. How many people here share, hey, what are you thankful for this year? Like around this time, right? Is, I mean, that's a, it's kind of a low hanging fruit. All right, so if you're if you're wondering like how you might do something in a gathering with friends or family over the next week, say, hey, what if we all shared what we're thankful for? Right? I mean, that that works. It's actually super helpful. And you get to know people and you take those relationships. They become they become deeper. Um, but these rituals over time, they they become sacred. And so like my best friend, the, the guy who we showed up and we got tuna fish sandwiches, uh, we were roommates in college and became best friends over time and godparents for each other's kids. When we gather together, we always have a question that will be discussed. Okay, and, and we decide in advance what that question is going to be. When our families get together, there are nine of us. And so we got together a few years ago um, for a week-long vacation. And together... As a family, we picked a question for every night for dinner. And it was, I mean, it was like, where in the world, do you, where would you like to travel to? Mm -hmm. Right, which was a fun question. What's your favorite poem? We actually had to do a little homework for that. That was a, you know, but these, the, and, but then you shared it with each other. And it was amazing how many people had memorized their poems. Like they actually had it in them. And you're like, oh my gosh, tell me why that's powerful. And all of a sudden you're getting to know your, your, your goddaughter in a whole new way. Jesus has this deep heart that we would gather well so that we could know and love each other well. That's, that's his purpose here. He's, he's after, he wants us to know and love each other well. 
And these are just really practical things on how we do that. Um, Brian, you were going to share just briefly about some sending ritual. I mean, there are different kinds of ways yeah. to do it, but you had, you had a thought on that. Yeah, I mean, there is the sense that often, like, there are these transition moments in a gathering, right? There's the entering in, putting on your name tag, perhaps, or I don't know if any, how many of you have seen Bill's entrance into his backyard. I mean, Bill has a ritual just of people walking through the artwork that he's painted uh, to reach his backyard, right? That there's actually sort of a sense of just from the welcome sign to the sort of like, it's, it's kind of an immersive experience. It's pretty impressive. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, just ask Bill to have you over. It'll be a come super on over. quick yes. Just let me know if you right? want to come over. It'll be come a on super over. quick yes. In fact, Sunday night, next Sunday night, <laughs> five o'clock. But there are these ways that it's just like we help people transition into our space. There can actually be some intentionality around how we help people leave. And it can be super simple, right? But actually, this first, when they had sung a hymn, that was them sort of closing their time together. They had gone some deep places together. It had been like, a really connected experience and they actually needed a little help transitioning back to everyday life, I think. And for us, when when we have people over, when we gather, there can actually be some intentional intentionality around that too. Um, one that I, I'd asked my husband to remind me exactly what he called it, uh, but <laughs> we talk sometimes, he talks about the liturgy of the meetings uh, because, and Israel does not, my husband Israel over here, he does not work in a church or anything like that, right? He, he works um, in a secular, you know, workspace and education, um, but he loves creating great gatherings when he has meetings. And so one of the things that he's very intentional about is what he calls the launch, which is how you end a meeting. And so it's coming into each meeting with this idea of how am I going to close it? What encouraging thought am I going to leave people with before they go? That really, even though he doesn't call it at work, it is a launch. But it, our kind of religious language, it would be, it would be a benediction, right? It's this closing kind of, hey, it has been amazing. And now I want to help you transition back into the rest of your school day. Transition back into like, what are you going to take from this space and the work that we've done together? connections we've built, how are you going to take it back into the rest of your day? Um, and so how do we end? I think it can be really simple things. Um, in our home, I know often our gatherings, when Israel is around especially, it's like, can I send you home with some food, right? It's letting people know, come back to the kitchen with me and we'll wrap up a plate. That can be an ending. Hey, don't leave without telling me goodbye. I want to walk you out. I want to make sure I give you a hug before you go. Um, it doesn't have to be complicated, but how do we let people know, like, wow, we are so glad you were here in this space with us. For our kids, when until they went off to college, when we would drop them off at school or drop them off at a youth group or at a family, whatever it was, our, our parting words is we would always say, who are you? And they would respond because Timothy, his name means honor to honor God in Greek and Karis, her name means grace. And so Timothy would always say, I'm a child of honor. And when Karis would leave, we say, hey, have a great day at school. Remember who you are. I'm a child of grace. That, that was our sending ritual, right? You're like, hey, boom, you're out in the world. Go be who you really are. But there are lots of ways for us to do this. I'm not sure what it is for you. Uh, but I do sense that God is calling each of us into more intentional ways of loving people 
And that means asking good questions, knowing why you're gathering and taking some risks uh, for, for, some, for some really good conversation.